How are we, church family? Good, good, good to have you guys this morning. Uh, aren't these guys phenomenal? Love having uh, Jed back with us whenever he's with us. We have, the, we, have a, we have really like probably the best band in the world. Do you guys know that? Just saying. Just saying. At least I think so. Really love, uh, love having you guys here this morning. Uh, and I just want to say I, I love our church. I'm so proud of our church and all the things that are going on from our kids' areas to, I mean, obviously the, our cool parking guys that parked at least earlier in the rain. Uh, but just all across the board, there's just cool stuff happening. In fact, last week uh, we had 13 people that made Jesus, this is how we say this, made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life. So I think it's pretty awesome that, like, heaven's going to be more crowded because of what you guys are doing every week with uh, inviting guests. And I know there's guests here today, so I want to say welcome to all our guests. And again, we've already said this, but everyone who's watching online, I think it's really, really cool. Last week we had someone watching as someone was baptized last week from Germany. And every week I, I have some folks that will say, hey, my husband will be watching today from Afghanistan as he's deployed. So if you're deployed right now, man, it is so awesome that you are with us. So, and I hope this makes you feel like home this morning. So... Uh, let me just kick off by saying that we're in a series called Battle Ready, and we're talking about how do we weather uh, difficulties, how do we weather problems, how do we weather, weather like, the, like those Mondays from hell. Anybody ever have a Monday from hell? I can say that in church, right? Because, I mean, it's real. Uh, and let me, let me just be honest, last Monday was like one of those Mondays for Christy and I. We woke up Monday morning, and all of a sudden, simultaneously, we're reading emails. I got bad financial news. Christy got bad financial news. So it kind of started our, our day out off kind of like in a funk. We were, we were set to have like a date morning with each other. Uh, all of a sudden, we got a call from our school, our kids' school, and they said, hey, you got to come quick. Your kids are sick. We went, we went and picked up both Ashley and J.D., and uh, grabbed them out of school. My poor son, if you guys don't notice this, he's had, he probably doesn't want anyone to know this, but he's 10, so he, he'll be oblivious still, uh, had, has had mono for the last nine weeks. Like, he missed the first week of school. And I'm like, son, how have you gotten this? He's like, dad, I kiss a lot of girls at school. What do you expect? So, <clears throat> so we don't know what's up with that. But mono, and then like, we, like he relapsed. We started letting him run cross country. Bad parents, we let him, we let him start running again. He relapsed. He got strep twice in this last nine weeks on two different antibiotics. He was barfing at school. His, cool, his new word is barf. He thinks it's so cool to say barfing because he tried out for basketball the other day and some kid barfed next to him. So he's like, Dad, what, what do you do when you barf? What's that like? I'm like, what are you talking about barfing? Anyway, so it's too much information right now, I know. Um, so uh, so we, we've got our kids and we're like, okay, so we're going to have this whole day off to just chill, you and I. Now we've got the kids with us. They're sick, right? They're like, uh, coughing in the car. Lungs are coming out places. And, and so we thought, what, what can we do right now? What, what would help everybody bring our, our spirits up? So we, we decided, let's go to Sweet Frog, right? Let's get some yogurt in them. Right? Maybe, there were, maybe there's some antibiotics or something, probiotics, right? This is not sanitizer. It's a, a probiotics. And so we thought, let's take them to Sweet Frog. We'll get them some, some yogurt. Uh, we drive up. They're inside getting yogurt. I'm in my truck right in front of Sweet Frog on their way out. I must have let my foot off the, off the brake. And I rolled down. If you've ever been in the landings, you've got these little, little hill things that kind of slow you down. I'm on top of the hill. I start rolling down the hill. And I'm not looking at what's in front of me, but there's a lady in front of me. I'm looking at everybody in Sweet Frog going, hey, everybody, Sweet Frog. And then, bam, I run into this lady. 
I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the worst day ever. So I've got this fender bender thing going on. We're trading numbers. And I'm recalling like just a few months back where I'm getting on my wife when she did the same thing. And I'm like, this is just the worst ever. And so we're on our way home. We get home. And Christy's on the phone with her sister, and they're talking about the book that Christy's been writing. Christy's been writing a book, uh, not even co-authoring, uh, ghostwriting a book for her sister. They're like nine chapters into this thing. or like, I've already, She's already sent nine chapters, the last three to go. Uh, she just sent. And um, her sister's like, well, I haven't gotten them yet. And Christy's like, but I sent them to you, so they should all be in your inbox. So you should have it all. So they're on the phone, and Christy's like, oh, my gosh. I've lost all, I've lost the last four chapters. I've lost the last three chapters, something like that. And her sister's like, sister's like, well, I haven't gotten them. So she's looking and she, she's lost the last four chapters that she's written. And we're like, are you kidding me? How could this day get any worse? So she's on the phone. We're finally at home. She's still talking to her sister and she walks outside to kind of like take her problems elsewhere away from the rest of us because we're just happy now. And all of a sudden she steps outside, the, the puppy runs in. And she tries to miss the puppy, steps on the side of our step going into our house and rolls her ankle and just screams like bloody murder. And she's on the ground, on the phone, crying. And I come running out. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? She says, my ankle. <laughs> and it's like she just tears. She, you, she's like, I heard it. It's just like I, it just ripped. I could hear it. I know it's messed up or broke or whatever. And so I'm like going this Superman mode, right? All guys are like, Superman, I'm here. I grab her dead body, snatch her up, take her inside, <laughs> set her down, and about five minutes later, I, she's sitting down like, baby, I think I did something to my back. <laughs> like, literally. And, we're, and we looked at each other, and uh, she just laughs. I get mad. And the more she laughs, the madder I get. And she's just like, baby, this is the greatest, worst day ever. I mean, you're just, uh, and I'm like, what is going on? Now, now, be honest. Have you ever had a Monday like that? Like, it just seems like, what in the world is going on, right? And you're like, has God left the building for good, right? Well, that's exactly the kind of day that leads us to this kind of conversation because what I want to do today is I want to look at how to be strong, like how to stand firm when, when life's mess happens, right? When it hits the fan, when you're like, when you're just off, it's just off. And you're like, is the enemy... Like, is he doing all this, or am I just, have I just got a rotten attitude, and I'm just, is my outlook off, but what gives, right? And so what we've been doing in this series, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 6, and talking about what God has already done, what he's already done for us, and the, and the, the, the battle, uh, battle suit that we can put on daily to help us to win these battles that we face. Right? Some of them are, are like real live enemy wants to mess us up. And some of them are just like, they're just stuff, right? It's just life happens, right? I mean, that, that is kind of the world we live in, right? And oftentimes I found myself trying to figure out like, and make sense of it all. Like I'm, I'm the perspective guy in my house. I'm always trying to figure it out, right? And sometimes you just can't figure it out. Sometimes you can only lean on and look to God to find your strength. And so we're, we're, we're asking the question, how do we... How do we get spiritually ready to deal with anything that comes our way? How do, how do we lean on God in such a way that we can get what he's already given us and put on the right equipment to ward off the, the enemy's attack? 
we, we do know that there's a real enemy. We've said this in weeks past. If you want to go back and look at the last three weeks, we, we really walked through this, and we said in Scripture it says, our wrestle is not against what? Flesh and blood. Your wrestle is not against your wife, right? I mean, it may feel like that in a moment when you're having this heated argument. Your wrestle is not against your boss at work. If he's, you know, you're mad at him or he's fired you or you fired somebody else and somebody else. That's not your wrestle. Our wrestle is beyond what we just physically see humanly. We really do have an evil adversary who spiritually can, can cause us to, to lose our hearts. And his number one goal is what? His number one goal is to cause us to lose faith and trust and belief in God. He hates God. That's his number one enemy. We're just the tool he's trying to use to hurt God back. And God all the while is saying, I want to gift my creation. I want to gift humankind. I want to give them hope, and I want to help them win through standing firm in life. So I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6 again today. If you've got your Bible, now I've got a hard copy up here. I'll be honest. I bring it every week because I'm old school. But I can't even see the pages any longer. My eyes have gotten so bad. But I, but I still bring it every week because it's like comfort for me, right? And when I'm home, I'll wear my glasses and I will read this Bible. But I print very, very extra large notes. But if you're like me, nowadays I've gotten so accustomed to using my phone as my Bible. Now, how many of you guys, you have, you've ever downloaded and you use Version Bible app? Anybody? Anybody? Can I just tell you, if you have not downloaded Version, that's what it's called, Y-O-U and spell out version. I'll spell it for you if you really want me to. V-E-R-S-I-O-N. version. get the app. Because it is a, I'm telling you, I use it every day. In fact, this morning, I woke up and I'm like, God, I'm preaching about battle ready. We've just had a terrible last week. It's hitting the fan all over. God, what, what's the verse of the day? God, what do you want to say? And I'll, I'll ask, God, what do you want to say to me? And these are incredible promises. Every week, just every day, you get a verse of the day and you can... You can look and read through passages of Scripture. You can pick out and read the whole Bible through this. You can even have the Bible read to you, right? I pick out all kind of devotionals that I go through. This is so handy. But if, you, if you've never downloaded it, I would encourage you to download it. And you can use it every Sunday morning right here, all right? So that's my plug for that. I think it's powerful. But if you've got a Bible or a way to get it, Ephesians chapter 6, if not, you just like old school, you're like, I ain't got one of them kind of phones, right? We're a very young crowd, but maybe there's some of you that just you don't know how to get that or don't have the ability to get that, we will have it up on the screens, and I love to put it up because I want you to see God's Word, and I want it to speak to you this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, I want to dive back into this passage and look at what Paul is saying, who's the writer of Ephesians, what he is saying for what are the different battle garments we can put on. We talked about a few last week. We'll cover those again today a little bit. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist, right? Resist what? All right, the enemy in the time of evil. Now, the goal here is to just do that, resist. We, we understand from what we talked about last week in this passage that we're not here trying to conquer, Right? We're not trying to, we don't, we don't have to advance. We don't have to go out and try to win. The battle has already been won. Right? Come on, that's, that's like the best news. All God says He is trying to help us do is win the, as the battle is waging, right? Or as difficult times come, He wants us to be able to stand firm, right? 
we don't have to go out and conquer anything. Jesus has already ultimately done that for us. He's already won the battle. He just wants us to be able to resist, to stand firm against the enemy in a time of evil. So then after the battle, you will be standing, standing firm. So he says this, stand your ground by putting on the belt of truth. We talked about that last week. Stand your ground by putting on the belt of truth and body armor of God's righteousness. We talked about that last week. That word righteousness just means when you bow the knee, when you, believe, when you confess with your mouth, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is Lord. He's God in a body. You know, he is, he is it. He's my Savior. When we believe in that, we are automatically made right with God. Righteousness means we have a right standing with God because of what Jesus did. So we stand firm through God's truth and uh, the body armor of God's righteousness. Now today, verse 15. We're also able to stand firm by putting on the shoes of peace, right? For shoes, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news uh, so that you will be fully prepared. So I want to I have you pull out your notes real quick and write this down. The, f- the, the next piece we want to talk about today is putting on the shoes of peace. All right, what does that mean? That just sounds like, is that for real? Put on the shoes of peace, Right? When I put on shoes, I go, I like, I put on shoes to run, right? But he's literally got, got, Paul's trying to help us grasp something that like every day we need to put on these shoes of peace that really comes from, Scripture says, the good news of God. Now, I brought some shoes today. <clears throat> Here is one pair of shoes, all right? How many of you guys have ever worn these before? These are flip-flops, all right? I love flip-flops. If I could wear them every day of the week, I would. And I've worn them on Sundays. It doesn't happen often. Uh, but many of you wear sh- shoes uh, like this to church, and I'm like, awesome. Keep wearing it because it helps us to connect with people who, like, think church is like, you know, you got to have some kind of certain dress code. We don't have a dress code. You can wear whatever you want here. But flip-flops, they're not, like, meant to run in, right? They're meant to be comfortable in. They're not meant necessarily to climb things. You're going to slip and fall. They're just kind of, like, great for relaxing you know, this kind of means like you're not, you're not going out to, on the town. You're not like going to a party. You're not like necessarily going to like a business meeting. But these mean like you're just chilled, right? Makes me think of the beach. Uh, I got some other shoes here. Uh, these are not mine. And, and my wife <laughs> now knows that I brought a pair of her shoes to church today. Um, <clears throat> ladies, I don't have a clue what you do with these. Uh, I don't really have a clue how you can wear these. But... By looking at them and seeing the times that I know Christy has worn shoes like this, this is, these are shoes that are worn for like <clears throat> maybe a business meeting, maybe when you're dressing up sharp, maybe if you're going out on the town, maybe for dancing. However, guys, that's why we should not wear these. I mean, you will break an ankle and a heartbeat. And ladies, I don't have a clue how you can walk in these, um, but that's what they're for. Uh, I think they're also for, uh, you, could, you, could, you could battle with these. Um, that hurts. Um, guys, don't get in a fight with your wife or your lady friend if she's wearing shoes like this because she could do some serious damage to your skull with these. Like that'll, that'll penetrate pretty much anything, all right? So that, these, these have purpose. Uh, there's another shoe that I stole from my son this morning. These are my son's cleats. Now, J.D.'s played football. He's played baseball. And uh, the, these are cleats. So now when I, when, I, when I pick up these cleats, I go back to when I was a kid 
and I got my very first pair of cleats. Uh, I, I literally remember, I mean, I can, I can conjure up feeling like I, I, could, I could fly on earth. Like, like I, I remember putting on these cleats and just running just all by myself in a field and just like, like juking the invisible person in front of me. Like, just like, I'm unstoppable. I mean, you know, like, you know, like, just like, like you could, you have stability. You can grip, you can cut, you can run, you can stop. I mean, and, and I, I just remember the feeling of like, you could do anything in these things, right? These cleats have these little, you know, nice little protruding pieces of rubber that stick out that when you, when you run fast, you can stop on a dime, you can cut, you can go left, you can go right. These are great for, you know, like really being mobile, on a, on a turf, right? Grass, fake turf, whatever. How many of you guys have ever had cleats on before? Aren't cleats awesome? You, do you not just feel like almost invincible with some good cleats on? However, if you're on, on, on turf and you're not wearing cleats, the poor guy next to you, right? Remember, remember we used to play games and some kids showed up and they didn't have cleats? You could stop and they would just skate right by you, right? So we know these have a purpose. So what Paul's trying to say here is... There is this powerful, powerful, powerful gift that God wants us to have, and it is to be able to lace up daily peace, like, like God wants us to have peace. Now, this is, this is totally just a visual for God to say, I am peace. God is peace. God is a lot of things. He's, he's love. He's grace. He's hope. Uh, God's a lot of things. But one of the things that God is is he is peace. And so the point of this passage is, as Paul is saying, we know that worry happens. We know that life happens. We know that you have those terrible, no good, you know, Mondays where, where everything's just like, oh, my gosh, life is out of hand. And maybe some of you, you, you showed up today and you got some much bigger problems than like, you know, rolling an ankle or having some bad, you know, you know moderately bad financial news. Maybe you have like some information that has rocked your world. Maybe some of you this week, you found out you had cancer, or you lost someone, or you just have some big, big things. See, here's the thing God's trying to help us grasp. God loves us, and he is peace. And the closer we can be daily with him, the greater amount of peace we'll have in our lives. But the enemy is constantly lying to us, and his goal is to say, the closer you are to God, nothing happens. That's his, that's his lie. Uh, the, the closer you are to God, that doesn't matter because he, de- he doesn't really know about you. He doesn't really love you. So the enemy's lying, and God's saying, listen, I want to help my creation. I want to help, help people get closer to me because if they're closer to me, they're going to experience more and more and more of my peace. And that's a gift for us. So what God's essentially saying is every day, Lean into me and get peace. Now, um, when you think about peace, um, you, you got to start with kind of like where we start with most of the time. We start out thinking that our greatest problems in life are, you know, the fact that I don't have a boyfriend yet, or maybe I don't have a girlfriend yet, uh, or maybe some of you would think that maybe my biggest problem right now is I got skin issues, right, or I got some, you know, health problems, and those are some pretty big issues at times. But they're not the biggest problems. Like, like financial problems can be big problems, but they're not the biggest problems in life, right? There's bigger problems than money problems. And what we understand from Scripture is 
the biggest problem, and here it is, the biggest problem we have in life is that we're separated from God by our sin. That's really perspective, big, you know, out there, large, big, wide perspective is our greatest problem is the fact that we were born sinful. We were born, you know, with problems. And the longer we live life, the more we recognize that I'm not perfect and I'm sinful. So the greatest problem is that we're separated from God. The greatest gift is that God said, your greatest problem I'll solve. And he solved that by offering up and giving his son Jesus, who lived a sacrificial life and had a sacrificial death. And he did that so that we could, we could be forgiven, we could be free, and we could live in peace with God. So kind of like first base here would be, first of all, some of you, your, your, your peace with God would come from first base of saying yes to God. Like first base would be, hey, I, I want to be saved. I, I want to be made right with God so I can have the peace and assurance that I could be forgiven of my sins, that I could, that I could be free from my sin, and that I, I could have eternity with God in heaven. That's, the, that's like first base peace, right? You understand what I'm saying about that? I mean, that's like first base, like, man, I've got to have that peace before I can have the, the lifelong peace afterwards. So there's that peace. Salvation is, is what we can have hope in, right? And then, the, then the, the next part of that is when you get God in your life, then daily we've got to go find our strength through him by getting peace daily. So when you get peace with God, here's some cool things you get. When you get peace with God, you get, your, you get peace with your past. You get your past forgiven. You, you, get to, you get to kind of offload shame and guilt and like, look what I've done. Look at my track record. God says, done. I don't remember it. I've forgotten it. So should you. Let's move on. I mean, that's like, come on, we ought to applaud that. That's, I get peace with my past. Another thing we get is we get peace with our problems, like the, the, the daily stuff, like the now stuff. I get, to, I, get to be rest, I get to rest assured that God is with me in the midst of my mess. Scripture says he will never leave me or forsake me. I get to have peace resting in that knowledge. That's good news, right? That's, that's the good news of what we're talking about today. Uh, another thing is I get to have peace for others. I get to have peace for others. I get to have peace for my wife. When I've done something stupid, she gets to have peace for me, right? The closer I am to God and I'm getting the peace that he wants me to have, to that degree I get to give peace to others. Hey, I can be peaceful around my house, right? How, how, many, how often uh, are you, are us as parents, I'll say us because I'm in it, that things aren't always peaceful because we're like, oh, they're making me mad, and now it's just all cattywampus, right? So the closer I am to God, when, when life happens in the present, I, I can be peace for others. Um, I, I, that is wonderful. And another cool thing is, when I'm close to God and I'm experiencing His peace, I can have peace for my future. I can, I can, can kind of look out there and go, you know what? Kids having money for college, that's a, that's a pretty scary, audacious thing, right? Uh, retirement, that's a pretty scary, audacious thing. But you know what? I can have peace in God for that. I don't have to stress about that because I know I'm a child of God. And any, any, any kids uh, of God's, he loves, he takes care of. How do I know that? And it's all through Scripture. Let me show you what Philippians 4 says. Philippians 4 says this, and Paul writes this. 
Uh, he says, don't worry about anything. Like, literally, don't worry about anything. Why? Well, God says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. So tell him what you, you, tell him what you need and start instantly thanking him in advance for what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know this. Scripture also says, for all things work together for, for good for those who love him, right? So those of us who bowed the knee and said yes to Jesus, we're in God, he's in us. Scripture says he'll never leave or never forsake us. So we get to, we get to rest in and reside in the fact that God says, I'm never going to leave you, I'm never going to forsake you. He says, I want you to pray and begin thanking me right away. Pray and start thanking me. Pray and remind ourselves, God, because I'm your son, because I'm in you, because you're in me, God, I can get through this mess. God, I'm reminded, man, the good news of what you did for me on the cross. I'm reminded about that good news and what it does for me in my life. I'm reminded about that good news and what it does for me in this life and for all of eternity. I mean, have you guys ever gotten bad news? And, and isn't it pretty normal to feel pretty yucky after you get bad news? Have you ever had a, a, like one of those Monday bad news kind of days and all of a sudden out of nowhere you get like awesome, awesome great news? Doesn't it feel like really, really good when all of a sudden in the midst of your bad day you get like great news? This is what God's talking about here. We should look at what God has done for us, like already done, and that should be good news for us to help us through our lives. Good news, salvation helps us to be saved. And that might be where some of you are at today. But it's also good news to stay with us, to remind us daily about we've got a God who loves us. We've got a God who died for us. You've got a God who offers me hope and peace every day of my life. That's good news. So we, we, get, we get peace with God. We get peace for others. We get peace for our future. Uh, scripture says in verse 7, Then you will experience God's peace, that God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And it says this. I love this. This is kind of a real practical way to remind ourselves the difference of what the enemy's trying to wheel and lie to us and the difference of what God's truths are about us. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, I don't know about you, but there are, there are those days that I'm trying to figure out whose thoughts am I thinking. You ever been there? Like, am I just having a rotten attitude? Because everything I'm thinking is kind of like dismal, like I suck, I'm no good. Am I the only one? Like, I'm a loser. I'm not smart enough for this job. I should be a better husband. And I'm just like, are those all me or the, is the enemy like just throwing junk my way and am I, am I just like agreeing with it? Like sometimes I get, I get confused and lost in that. Yeah, you guys ever? Yeah. I mean, a lot of you guys, yeah. So, so in the midst of that, I like to remember this verse. When I think of whatever things are, you know, lovely and right and honorable and admirable and true, that's how we know the difference. If it's anything but admirable and lovely and true and great and whatever the, all the words are in that verse says, if it's anything other than that, it's not of God. So, so when we get lost in our thoughts, we get lost at what's going on. If it's not that, it's not of God. So Scripture, God says, listen, think about those things and be reminded of how I think of you. 
Be reminded about what I believe you. Be, be reminded about what you have in me. And forget all the lies that you're thinking or the enemy's saying about you. Here's what I've got to say. And he says, remind yourself of those things. The good news is, here it is. It's good news that I can have peace and trouble. It's good news that no matter what I face today, God is with me. It's good news, that, like Roman 8, 828 says, um, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. That's good news. And what, what helps us to move forward, what helps us to stand firm is good news. So let's never forget the good news about what God has done and what he's doing in our lives right now. The second thing I want to show you today after putting on the, the shoes of peace, we should constantly pick up and hold the shield of faith. That's in your notes. Hold the shield of faith. Uh, Ephesians 6.16 goes on to say, as Paul continues to write about what we put on to help us stand firm, in addition to all these things, in addition to all that we've talked about, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Fiery arrows of the devil. Now, when they would hear this in uh, first century biblical times, uh, they would think of the Roman shield. Uh, I've got a picture of Roman shield up, and um, that's, that's kind of what it would look like. That's like a Roman shield that someone's, you know, remade, apparently. Um, and it was generally about two foot wide, about four foot tall. Somebody would, would take all s- sorts of, like, you know, arrows and swords uh, and, and block all that. Uh, you could work with your team. You could work with others, and it would look like this where they could kind of protect the whole area. And so what Scripture is trying to say, what Paul is trying to say here, uh, when you face fear, when you face doubt, when you face confusion, when you, when, when you, when you want to combat, uh, what we do is we pick up the shield of faith. That is, we trust in God. It is, it is to our benefit when we're choosing to trust in God. That's, that's called faith. Now, faith is a gift. Uh, the Bible says that we can actually pray that God would give, give us the gift of faith. So we leverage uh, the, the, our belief in God. We leverage who he is and what he said to protect ourselves against the enemy. So to the degree I can like say, you know, God, I, I'm going to trust in you in this moment right now. God, I'm trusting in you. That actually becomes protection for us. So as our faith grows, so does our protection against the enemy. So make us kind of think about why would we want to stay weak in our faith, right? But here's the thing about this protection. Faith has to be something that we act on. God wants to gift us faith, but faith is also an action step for us, right? I got to choose to trust in God. So the times that I'm not trusting in God, it's essentially I'm allowing I'm allowing enemy fire to, to, to take me out. So when God, when you're saying, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, and God's going, okay, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me, those are actual steps. It's like picking up the shield. I'm going to trust in you, God, today. God says, hey, go, uh, go break up with this boyfriend. He's bad. You're making some bad decisions, and you don't do it. That's like leaving your shield of faith down because you're not trusting in what God says. You know, uh, there's just like, you know, there's truths all through God's word. And so when we ignore a truth, when we say, you know what, God, that's too scary for me to follow. I'm, 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 you know, talk about the whole money, financial thing in church, right? That's, that's a hard one for folks. Like, you know, I want to trust God with my resources. God said, trust me with your stuff. 
I'm going to take care of everything. And we were like, God, I'm not going to trust you. It's leaving our shield of faith down on the ground, and it opens us up to take enemy fire. So this whole shield of faith thing is a powerful thing, and it all involves trusting in God. So we've got to hold up the shield of faith and remind ourselves who we are in Christ. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm reminded of who God is. That becomes my strength. Uh, hold up the shield of faith by reminding yourself who he is. Who is God? Right? Sometimes in the midst of our mess, we kind of forget God is loving. He loves me. He hasn't forgotten me. Sometimes we feel like God forgot us in the midst of our mess. But we've got to remind us of these things, who he is. And we've got to remind ourselves that I'm in a spiritual battle. I've got to remind myself that we are in a spiritual battle and I'm not alone in it. I'm not alone in it. God is with me. So the enemy's goal is for us to doubt God. And really, if you, if you look at Scripture all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible, back in Genesis, in the Garden of Eve, or Garden of Eden, uh, the devil shows up in the form of a serpent. And he goes quickly to the first two human beings, and he tries to rattle their, their faith. He goes right after Eve, and he says to Eve, he says, Did God really say to you not to eat from this one particular tree? Remember, that was... That was, that was that early scene in Genesis. Did God really say that you weren't supposed to do this? So what does the enemy do? The enemy tempts us to doubt God and what he said, right? So that's our battle. Our battle is to be reminded about what God has said and who he is because the enemy wants to uh, cause us to believe less about God and not trust in what he said. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 11.6 says it like this. And it's impossible to please God without faith. We can't please God apart from faith. So what does God want from us? He just wants us to trust him. I mean, that's, that's huge for God. And the more we trust God, the more we are literally picking up protection. Our faith and our trust in God is literally our protection. Um, there is a uh, really amazing story about a guy that I actually met many years ago in my early days of starting out in, in church work and ministry. A uh, super talented guy that I just met one time. His name was uh, Dieter Zander. And uh, he worked at probably the most influential church in America and, and did a lot of things on the side. But this guy Dieter was probably one of the most, as I remember, the most gifted communicators that I've ever heard. Also an incredibly gifted uh, musician. So much so that whenever he showed up somewhere, thousands of people would show up. Uh, over the years, this guy, Dieter Zander, would have uh, just huge impact for, for the Lord, did a lot, of, a lot of amazing things, and he also was one of these kind of guys that just was, was just, uh, you just were so drawn to him. He was just so charismatic. You just, you just wanted to like, just like, how could God give somebody that well? Like he's, like, he's a great speaker, so, he, you know, he's, he's very intelligent, he's, mu- he's musically inclined, and he's just like the most fun, lovable, gotta-be-around-him type personality. Well, one day, this guy, Dieter, wakes up, and he can't communicate any longer, can't speak. Uh, somehow, in the middle of the night, he has, he has a stroke, and he wakes up the next morning, and literally, half of his body, body was paralyzed, and he would never be able to speak or communicate again. Apparently, uh, the doctors say that he had something inside of him that was just like a ticking time bomb that he would wake up one day, anyways, 
with something, a disease called asphasia, where he could no longer form, he could, he could think it, but he couldn't form the words that would come out audibly out of his mouth. And so here's a guy who is one of the best communicators around. Um, drew thousands when he would speak, when he would play. So what, 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 what do you do? I mean, think about, put ourselves in those shoes. What, what do you do when all of a sudden you're adored and you're loved and you've got all kinds of abilities, you've got all this giftedness, and you wake up and it's gone? It's just done. Like, it's not there. Like, you've been leaning on giftedness and abilities that God's given you, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, no, I don't have them any longer. So years go by. He goes through all types of physical therapy. Uh, finally, money runs out. He takes a job as a crossing guard trying to pay bills and provide and take care of his family. Eventually, a friend helps him get a job at Trader Joe's. So he's, work, he's worked at Trader Joe's, and uh, he's, he's mopping floors, right? He's still, he's still physically enabled in a lot of ways, can't communicate. Uh, and I, I just, I, you know, I, I started reading up on him, looking it up, finding out what's been going on with him. And I would expect at this point, after all these years, like, he's got to be frustrated. You know, he's got to maybe just had those moments where, like, God, where are you? Right? I had all this, and now I don't. Has he forgotten God? Is he, is he mad at God? Is he just a hater now? Where is he at? So I found this, and I thought this was cool. This is what he, this is what he uh, has been quoted as saying and what he wrote. He said, God was my boss, now God is my friend. Uh, God says you're not going to work anymore, now you're going to play. Years ago I was a popular man, now my friends are small, like in limitations. I don't have a lot of friends, not as many as the crowds before, but he says small is good. And then he wrote this poem, he, he calls this poem a kingdom of cardboard and spoils, and I want to read it to you. If I'm the king of all that I survey that I'm the king of cardboard and spoils. My kingdom is a noisy room in the back of Trader Joe's grocery store. My kingdom used to be a stage, a microphone, a piano, an audience of thousands. Then came the stroke. Now five days a week, I arrive at Trader Joe's in the early dark hours before the sun cracks the horizon. I push my mop up and down the aisles. There is only one audience in this kingdom, but that's okay because I'm not performing any longer. It's just me. It's just Dieter. There is something beautiful about this simple work. The food is marked as spoils, for example. The fruit is, go- is, all, is all good. The meat is all good. The flowers are, are good. But they are not perfect. So I deliver them to the Salvation Army where it will feed the hungry. They don't care if their apple is lopsided. They just want to eat. I understand the spoils. I can relate. Because I, too, am spoils over and over again. I used to be packaged as perfect, but now I relish in the imperfection. I am emptied, crumpled, and strained, and stained. I am ready to be used again and again in a new way, in a new life. The cardboard is recycled. The spoils are now feeding the hungry. And today, I'm thinking life is very good. Life is very good. I think of that story, and I think, wow, what's up with that guy? He calls his stroke the stroke of grace. Like, here's a guy that had it all and lost it all and still doesn't have 
any of his old back. He's, he's different. And here's a guy that loves God more now and has experienced more God than he's ever experienced before. God's not his boss. God's his friend. For some of you, that's kind of where we're at. We kind of get God. We kind of understand his grace. But God's still like a boss. He's still kind of like, there's a God. Yeah, I know he did this. But he's not my friend. And here's the deal. When it comes to life's mess, and we will experience life's mess, whether saved or unsaved, whether Christian or unchristian, but when it comes to life's, life's mess, when it comes to those terrible, no good Mondays, and way worse than my you know, silly Monday, but when it comes to the real reality of life and the separation, feeling that God's not there, here's what God wants us to be reminded. If you're in Christ, He's in you. He will never leave and never forsake you. He will travel with you in the midst of your mess, and maybe, just maybe, just maybe, sometimes He'll fix it and solve it, and He does that. And I've got just as many stories of God doing incredible things on our behalf. But here's the thing we've got to remember. No matter whether it looks good to us or whether it might look bad to us, Scripture, the truth of what Satan doesn't want us to believe, says this. I work all things for good for those who love me. I work all things for good for those who love me. I may not understand why the heck my son has mono. And I get mad and want to fix it for him, but I just can't as a father. And sometimes you have those similar scenarios and situations, and God wants us to be reminded, I love you. I want to give you peace. Link up closer to me. I'll be, I'll be that peace for you. Pick up my shield. Never put it down. If I lead you to go do something, go do it. Have faith in me. God wants us to trust more in him every day and he wants to show up and he really does want to show off to us and honestly show off through us let's pray god i ask that um just that this morning in in this room right now you would do the work you want done in us for some of us god you're leading us to a a, a brand new place of saying yes, maybe for the first time, for you to be our Lord and our Savior. God, I, I believe in, the, in a room like this, there are those who right now who would say, I don't, I don't really know God. I know about Him. I've even come to this church before. I've heard all about this. But I've never bowed the knee. I've never surrendered and said, I want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life, and today I want to do that. So my hope is right now that you would simply just pray to God and you'd say, God in heaven, in the best way I know how, would you be my Savior? Would you forgive me of my sins? And today I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. And I, with every head bowed and all eyes closed this morning, I asked this last hour also, and it was so cool to see how many people that had bowed the knee and said yes to God, and we got to celebrate heaven being more crowded someday. And I just want to ask the same question right now. How do you today would say, you know what, I, I just prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. No one, no one will call you out, but would you just raise your hand and let me know if you did that today so I could celebrate with you? Anybody here? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? That's me today. I see you. God, right now in this moment, we celebrate you. We celebrate you being real and trustworthy 
And we, God, we celebrate that you forgive and we can find freedom in you today. God, I thank you that heaven is more crowded by what you're doing. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us who are already following you potentially. And God, I pray that we would never stop at trusting you. That we would find strength in, in you because you love us. And whatever difficulty comes our way, we, ju- we would say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of my faith or my belief in Jesus because I know he loves me and will be with me no matter what. God, we thank you for your, your, your voice and our hearts and our minds today. In your name we pray. Amen.